being recorded. I'm missing some good stuff. <laughs> what is M? Is M a yeah. Roman numeral? Yeah, it is, but I don't know what it is. But I know it is one. I don't know. My guess is 50. Well, should we Google it? Yeah, somebody Google should that. See? I got it. it. All right, get on that. To your spider fingers. I think I think it's a thousand. <laughs> like no, that's, that's a way better guess. This is just It is a thousand. <laughs> Yeah. I shouldn't have guessed. Yeah, 50 was dumb. There's one. <laughs> 50 has 50 has a Roman numeral. I'm gonna double down on my, my bad bet. Yeah, it's, it's L, I think. Yeah. Is it L? I think so. But okay, we'll have to Google it to confirm. Right. So if you want to talk about the sinless, sinless nature of Christ, raise your left hand. If you want to talk about movies, raise your middle hand. And if you want to talk about <laughs> fantasies, raise your right hand. Just like somewhere in here. Wait. <laughs> but also it's backwards. Or you can just talk about all of it. I don't care. Let's talk about all of it. Yeah, Jason, this is like one of your last nights, man. What, yeah, is, what were you saying about movies? What did you want to talk about? Movies? Oh, it just, I just, that was just something I wrote on my phone too. Cause I was, uh, I tried to make a video earlier about Fox and the Hound. Cause I was like, mm. I've, been, I've been wanting to do that for a while. And then there's, you know, there's like Pinocchio. There's all these great movies that are. Just, or we could talk about mother. Has the, Exclamation point. Mother. <laughs> have you guys seen that? Mm-mm. No, it's on my to watch list. I really it's want fantastic. <laughs> you should definitely watch it. Um, but we don't have to talk about that. Black Swan. Did you watch it recently, Mallory? Black Swan. I watched it like maybe a month ago. Um, oh. But it was, I mean, it's really good. I remember when it might tie out, into really the sinless to nature of Christ. Mm. Probably not. But it's all an allegory for like a love story between God and earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I didn't know that going into it. And so when we started i was watching it with jesse and she was like man the husband like kind of sucks and i was like he does right there's something about him that i just really don't like and then we googled it and i was like oh that's god (laughs) dang it's really interesting but anyway let's talk about something else fantasties i have a i have a maybe a segue into fantasties it's something i've referenced before jason you mentioned glass and i'm going to share my screen here Perhaps. In class, the Cosmos Magic Mirror. Yes. Well, so I've got a friend, Stephen Reynolds, and Stephen Reynolds recommended me read G.K. Chesterton. And G.K. Chesterton writes this book called Orthodoxy. And it's about how he, he was trying to figure out what he believed and what was the right way to look at the world. And he has this conclusion where he says he he just discovered a, an inferior version of Orthodox Christianity. But he's got this whole segment of the book called The Ethics of Elfland, where he talks about how fairy tales informed his ethics. And he, he's talking about this kind of implicit morality in all of the fairy tales. And this is, this is a paragraph that really caught my attention with respect to fantasies. So he says, I'll read it. Remember, however, that to be breakable is not the same as to be perishable. I'll make it bigger. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> there we go. Strike a glass and it will not endure an instant. Simply do not strike it and it will endure a thousand years. Such it seemed was the joy of man, either in Elfland or on earth. The happiness depended on not doing something which you could at any moment do and which very often it was not obvious why you should not do. Now the point here is that to me, this did not seem unjust. If the miller's third son said to the fairy, explain why I must not stand on my head in a fairy palace. The other, fair, the other might fairly reply, well, if it comes to that, explain the fairy palace. If Cinderella says, how is it that I must leave the ball at 12? Her godmother might answer, how is it that you are going there until 12? If I leave a man in my will 10, oh my goodness, if I leave a man in my will 10 talking elephants and a hundred winged horses, he cannot complain if the conditions partake of the slightest eccentricity of the gift. He must not look a winged horse in the mouth. Sorry for reading this incorrectly. He must look a winged horse in the mouth. And if it seems to me that existence was itself so very eccentric, a legacy that I could not complain of not understand, understanding the limitations of the vision when I did not understand the vision they limited. What a nightmare. The frame was no stranger. Vito might well be as wild as the vision. It might be as startling as the sun, as elusive as the water, as fantastic and terrible as the towering trees. Thank you. Hold on one second. I want to read the last part again. Or could, the frame was no long, was no stranger than the picture. The veto might well be as wild as the vision. It might be as startling as the sun, as elusive as the waters, as fantastic as the Okay. When I'm it, not sure I get it. Break it down. <laughs> well, when it's saying the frame is no stranger than the picture, is it basically this idea that like uh the rules given are just as strange or are yeah are just as strange as like rules broken totally I, th I think that's i think you're on the exact right track huh he's talking about here I, this feels like a great summary striking a glass it'll endure an instant oh, do not strike it. it and it'll do in a thousand years Hey, Luke. Um, did he hop in? I'm trying to admit him. There he goes. In case he... Luke's here. I... Is he frozen? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's probably his image hasn't loaded yet. Ah. But that's, that's his picture. <laughs> Is he frozen? <laughs> hey. Cool. Hi. Luke, hi. Hi, how are you guys? Very hey. well. That's great. We were just getting started. Craig was reading us something, and we we're kind of going to get into Fantasties. So it's probably good because you've read it. No kidding. Great. We've been we've been goofing off for an hour, <laughs> and now we're, we're trying we're trying to get our, our business hats on and having a hard time. Is someone sharing a screen? Because I see a document. Yeah, that's great. Yes. We're reading that middle paragraph there. Um, I don't know if we should read it again, but. So a quick a quick setup maybe just, should we do a miniature setup again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I didn't really understand it. So well, so here's what we're up to. In light of reading Fantasies by George MacDonald, he uses a lot of uh, imagery that's related to 
glass and breakable things. Mm. And uh, in, in our conversations in the past, I've referenced this passage in a G.K. Chesterton book called Orthodoxy. He has a section here and it's called The Ethics of Elfland. And he's describing, he's trying to get at what he thinks are the implicit morality, uh, you know, the, the morality principles that are present in our fairy tales. And the punchline here, this is the paragraph that we're looking at. But what he says is, we have this intuition that things like glass, uh, you can strike them and they're instantly shattered forever. But if you, if, you never if you never shatter them, they'll last an eternity. And he says, this is it right here. Such it seemed was the joy of man, either in Elfland or on earth, that happiness depended on not doing something, which you could at any moment do. And which is, our, which is anyway, so that's, that's the, the gist of it here. And he goes on to talk about the strangeness of that rule. Like if you object, if you object that that's such a strange moral principle, he goes on to say, well, the whole thing is strange. And that's, that's his defense against the criticism. But does this seem, does that seem, do you guys feel like this is something that you have an, issue, an intuition for, that this is the way that morality works? Like when you have a good thing, it's gonna persist forever if you don't damage it, but if you damage it, you've damaged it forever. I'll stop sharing. Well, but this is, so this is saying the opposite of what you just said. Say more. Well, you're saying that if you damage something, it's gone forever. Is that what you just said? Yes. And then in the beginning of this, it's saying the, the opposite, strike a glass and it will not endure an instant. Well, okay, it's saying it will not endure an instant. Never mind. But, it, but breakable is not the same as perishable. Hmm. And like, I feel like the whole paragraph is arguing against that idea of like, you're told not to strike a glass, but like, why are you told that? And like, it's kind of like asking the question, like who, it feels like it's asking the question, like who made the rules, but I don't know. Hmm. That could be. Let's I could see. be wrong. I could be very no, you, you could be very wrong. <laughs> now the point here is to me that this did not seem unjust. It doesn't seem unjust that it should be this way. So is he saying when he says, they say, don't stand on your head in the fairy palace and you reply, explain to me the fairy palace. It's kind of saying, um, God, that's kind of asking the question, God, why did you frame it this way? Like God says, don't eat this tree. And you're saying, why did you? Right. It's like, well, why, if in that metaphor, it sounds like he, he would say, if someone says, why is it that I shouldn't eat the apple? Why did God just put the apple there and tell me not to eat it? Mm -hmm. tell us not to eat it he would say yeah. this they would say that's not fair it's unjust yeah he says the point I, here is that to me this is not unjust because the whole thing is you know why is it that you should have ever been allowed in the garden to begin with because that's where you start uh that's just that's just childhood that's childlikeness um i mean i have my answer for it i don't know if it's right but to me the the whole like the reason for the that don't eat the tree like the reason for the tree is because of free will like to choose your own identity to choose i know i know good and evil i i mm. it's a, it's like a concept of free will and the serpent's your own pride in your heart it's tempting you to play god um but the reason for the commandment 
this is my it's just my answer i don't know if it's right would be because you have brothers and sisters because god wants to create more of you so it's not it's not that uh um i'm trying to think of the right way to describe it it's not that um god's gonna lose out if you say hey i'm god and he's got it you know it's like god's not gonna be offended by that or necessarily even damn you by that but it's you're, you you damn each other because as soon as i say i'm god then i'm saying you're you're lower than me and i can i judge you like it's playing judge basically and god's saying you're you don't get to play judge in this that's that's my thoughts that, i'm not making it coherent at all i'm really sorry no no i'm under i'm understanding no, i understand I just don't fully understand. I, I think I'm I'm confused about the question of the paragraph because I understand what you're saying, but I don't know that that's the question that I'm getting from the paragraph. Because mm -hmm. to me, like all of the all of the quotes or like not quote like quotation marks that they're using feel like you're just reframing a question, but you're answering a question by reframing a question. And I don't know what the question of the paragraph is because it's just like it's I. I mean, like, cause, cause to me, that's like an answer of like, you like shouldn't eat this fruit and here's why, but like in this paragraph, it seems like, Hey, you shouldn't stand on your head in a fairy palace. And they're like, what is a fairy palace? You know, it's like, or like, are you going to be out till 12? Like, it's just like, that's not really answering my question. That's just reframing my question as an answer. And it's, I don't really understand if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm having a little trouble tracking with the paragraph as well. I think that's the only, and it's probably just because of the Bible that said that the way I'm trying to draw a parallel is saying like, God says, don't eat of this tree. And I say, well, explain to me the garden sort of thing. I'm like, why, why, yeah. why is a tree here? Like what, what's but, the garden? But, but you, you would be the one saying, you would be saying, why can't I eat of this tree? And then God would be replying, explain to me the garden. Is that what you're saying? Because that's, no, no. What, that's what the paragraph is saying. Like oh. Cinderella is saying, I, I like, why can't I stay out till 12? And then the fairy godmother's like, why would you be out till 12? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> people out that late are cops and robbers. <laughs> I know. I'm like, that would be the answer, but that's not what she says. She's not like, you'll, you'll, your dress will fall apart. She's just like, well, why would you? It's a little sassy. I don't know. Do you, do you have the impression that the, the garden story is your reaction to the garden story with the fruit in it, that it's not fair that the fruit was there to begin with? Or do you feel like it's just, it's, it's fine that the fruit was there? Are we asking are you everybody? Who are you asking? Anybody, anybody who cares to answer? Does that, I, bother you? Does that bother you in any way that the fruit was there to be eaten? No. I think that's it, totally fair. It used to bother me until I, I think I spent time and thought with it. And then I kind of understood the garden more. Um, mm -hmm. What about you? Uh, Luke, John? Yeah, it bothers me. It does? But yeah, it's not, but that's because I'm immature. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Uh, so for me, just the, the, no, it doesn't bother me at all. I think once I learned like that I had to be there out of necessity, it wasn't, it wasn't there. There are some things that just are because other things are. So like you have darkness because you have light, right? And I feel like the tree is uh, a byproduct of, 
of free will. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really like the tree was made specifically. It's that the tree is what was the byproduct of something else. And so with, mm-hmm. the, with that framing, I don't have any issue with it. Mm-hmm. But I'm tracking with that paragraph, Craig. What do you think about it? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people have said interesting things. Uh, the fact that it's a consequence of free will isn't something that I considered when I read it. It seems like he's getting a. Did you a, think about the Garden of Eden specifically as well? Was that like well, your. That, that's what I have the impression that he's talking about. He's saying that's in, in the West, we ha- that's our underlying ethic, but it's also in our fairy tales. It seems like he's saying everybody has an intuition about shatterability. There are certain things <clears throat> that once you break them, they're done, you know, that might otherwise have been perfect forever it reminds um, me of virginity yeah <laughs> yeah i mean because it's like you you have a piece of art and it's saying don't don't uh defile it um same thing like the art is virgin it's untouched it's a uh, don't like in the fairy tales you have that uh what was uh it's in fantasies there's one point where uh she says, I think, um, and it's in the green night as well. He reaches out to touch this girl and she's like, don't touch me. Like, why would you touch me? It's like, don't touch me. They like freak out. It's this, it's kind of this theme and kind of like fairyland. Like you don't, don't touch the white lady. Yeah, virginity was my first thought too, Jason. I don't think you're far off. Is, is that, see to me, and I, I mean, this is just my Christianity, of course, mapping onto it in the cross. But to me, I'm like, those things are, are not um, where they can't, they, they can be put back together. Like they're not broken forever. You got a question, Hallie? You look. Well, no, I don't question. I'm just kind of like stuck on that. I don't know the like, the line about the frame is what like I'm tracking with what you guys are saying but also I'm I'm still like uh, the idea of like the frame being as I forgot what he said like as mysterious as the the picture sort of thing from what I understand the frame is creation that's what I'm gathering but I don't know if that's like we're 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 confined into this this box per se like we don't get to that's that's totally i think you're totally on the right track the frame as in the the boundaries Mm -hmm. the rules the rules of the garden are no stranger than the garden itself yeah yeah Yeah. so not like frame is in like a way of seeing something or perceiving something i mean i guess maybe you could use it that way but i thought of it as that way if it's a wouldn't it be that way if it's a question of morality wouldn't the frame be a way of seeing something if that's what this paragraph's talking about? You mean you mean frame like the frame of sense. A frame of mind. Like like I I don't know. That's but just I like, what I like that you're bringing up this question because then I don't know. I, I I really might be throwing on a lot of really dumb things. But well, he's no you're that's a really good question because he may be the, the way I read it was that he was using frame 
in the, the center of a picture frame, but he may well be using it. Well, no, he, I think he is. But like, instead of thinking of it literally as like frame being like the world that we live in, frame is kind of like the, I mean, it, to me, it, it sounds like he's referring to like the frame as like the moral codes that we live by. And, and I could be wrong because then in that regard, I have no idea what's in the picture, but so it could for no, sure be I off. Think, I think you're getting on something really important. I'm just not quite sure how to explore it, it yet. It, it feels, it feels like he's commenting on the fact that like we have moral codes that we don't always understand, which makes mm -hmm. it just as strange as the life that we live because we don't really know why we live it the way that we do because we just follow these moral codes. I don't know. That could be wrong. <laughs> Hmm. the frame in that i mean if i if i did go the way you're talking about it then the frame seems interchangeable right is it i, mean, I yeah if it's a frame of mind because like I, like i said they used to bother me the idea of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden till hmm. i got a i have well, kind of a change of frame of mind and then i see it, it as not the tree of knowledge but the tree of knowing good and evil like just playing god well no it could be interchangeable because then it kind of goes back to this idea of of reframing a question yeah. you know it's like by reframing your mind you're changing the frame that holds all of like your morals maybe like i mean with all of these questions where like you're answering a question with another question you're just this is, it. this well, is good i'm starting to make connections but this is very this feels really important Okay. I'm I'm feeling really convinced that what he's saying here is that if you have a problem with the rules, if you have a problem with absurd sounding rules, you might just as well throw out your your criticism because the entire our entire experience is absurd. He says it might be as startling as the sun, the rules might be as startling as the sun, as elusive as the waters, and fantastic and terrible as the towering trees. Mm -hmm. You know, he's saying it's all absurd, it's all terrible. It all is alarming. I didn't make it as terrible or alarming. Um, I think, so, I mean, the first time I read this, Craig, and I, I, I'm yeah. reading this one paragraph, right? Completely out of context uh, with regard to the rest of the book. <laughs> I I, I, so I don't really, I just like now it's shooting in the dark. Um, but I thought this was more of an encouragement than anything, because mm. what would be better for Cinderella than to just enjoy being at the ball in the first place, mm -hmm. right? So instead of, and I, I was thinking of the frame, kind of like what you were saying, Jason and Greg, in terms of like the frame being the thing that holds all of this together in which we as part of the picture live um and that would be creation or god or whatever you want to say um but instead of i think if something really good happens to you and you know it's a blessed thing and it's something that you've prayed for and something really comes through and it's a great impact in your life uh, this is the immediate first thing that I thought of instead of saying, or something really bad, instead of saying, why me? I have to figure this out. Uh, it's easier to even just ask, or then the question then becomes, instead of my own situation, 
why why does any of this exist like the fact that this random thing happened to me this act of god happened to me is no crazier than the fact that i exist or any of this exists in the first place and that's the frame being as absurd as the picture and i don't think that's necessarily in a bad way um because mm -hmm. i thought this was an encouragement to not have not strike the glass in a way and just admire it for what it is enjoy it because you realize that if you strike it it's breakable hmm. is it a frame or a frame we don't have i'm trying to figure out if children have frames or in the garden if we even come with frames or the frames then developed and then the frame has to be shattered and then there's a return to framelessness or something um i don't know but i was thinking about that idea of like a, a movement from uh i guess the like i'm trying to figure out what the breakability of uh for whatever reason, my mind went straight to like the the child being almost like this virgin, and then something does break, and it feels like it will never, it cannot be restored. But then there's a movement back into childlikeness, but it almost takes like this impossible move, which is like frame shattering. I don't know. Hmm. That reminds me of uh, Fantasi's, uh My Globe, My Globe. Yeah. Has everybody yeah. read that part? Yeah. Where he yeah. shatters, he shatters a globe. Hmm. And then the black mist comes out of it or something like that. It's, a, it's an interesting idea that children aren't born with frames. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I thought it was interesting to get into your idea of like a, a more of a mindset or like a, your frame is a. Yeah, I don't know if I like, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know that you're wrong. I just don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> I mean, we are. Like, you, you've, you've read the book, Craig. Like, what's the context? What do you think he's getting at when he says frame? In orthodoxy, this book we were just looking at. Yeah. Well, my, my sense is he's, he's drawing attention to the fact that in fairy tales, the princess lives in a glass house on a glass hill. There's uh, one sees all things in a mirror. And, and okay, so he says it here explicitly. This is an expression of the fact that happiness is bright but brittle, like the substance most easily smashed by a housemaid or cat. My my impression is that he's it's a it's a Christian idea. But it seems like he's saying this is just an element of our experience is things that are good thing. We have a lot of good things that are easily broken, permanently broken. Like what? And like peace, like 
I mean, like you referenced virginity, there's a lot of things that are doable, but not easily or ever undoable. Virginity is the only one I can really think of where that's the case, though. What? Virginity. Virginity. Is, is the only thing that I can think of that can't be rectified or, or pieced back together. But see, <laughs> this, is just, this is just me, but I, I would disagree. Cause, but that's just because I'm always going on about forgiveness and mercy. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's, what, that's what pulls it back together. Like it makes, in, in virginities, uh, we, it's comparable in the physical realm, but the, the spiritual right. reality of it is just like a, uh, being dedicated, you know, and being holy and set apart. Uh, holy is the, probably the right word to use, but it rubs people the wrong way, you know, because they have their, but I think it. it yeah, I feel, I feel the opposite of Jason. Yeah. Actually, I feel, I feel like there are so many things that like, are breakable that can't be undone like I what i mean i i feel like i mean like spiritually i understand where you're coming from but like in like a uh in a mind like when you're focusing on your mind and like the things in your life that affect your brain i feel like there are so many things and so many like instances in your life as you grow old I mean, like, look at who you are now versus who you are as a child. Like every situation that you've been in has affected your brain in a way that's created you to be the person that you are now. And those things cannot be undone. It feels like almost- But does that mean it was broken? Not necessarily. Even if we're not committed to taking this really hyperbolically where we say there are things that can never be repaired, it, it seems to speak to the fact that there are a great number of things that are very difficult to build, but very easy to destroy. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you if you lit a fire in your house, you know, your, your fire, your, your house took months and months to build or more, as well as all the things in it, but you could destroy it instantaneously. And so there's, a, there's just a, a fragile aspect to most of the good things in our lives that... So if he compares, he compares joy and happiness both to the glass um which i don't know what i think about joy being a particularly fragile state but rolling with it what does it mean to strike the glass in that sense oh what does it mean to let it sit there and look at it like that's what you want to do but like how do, how do you how do you do that are we talking specifically about joy? Sure. And then we can move into more generally. Really takes me. Well, I think you could you could say that uh, an easier comparison to me might be something like peace because you have the glass. I don't think of glass. Think of water, like what they instill waters to be peace. Mm -hmm. But even with joy, it's just kind of, you know, what I'm always talking about, my dog. But before she died, I used to call her. That was a nickname I had for her as I call her my joy. And then mm. that got shattered. And then, so it's things like that, maybe things like that, where like you can't, um, where it kind of mm. gets shattered. You have this, this joy that you're living yeah, with this, or you could even be in a relationship and you're just having this fun relationship. And then uh, the person dumps you unexpectedly or something. And then your, your joy is mm. gone because that's where you put it mm. all in that, in that frame, I guess, in that category, maybe, which what would be a good thing right now, 
that ultimately that frame gets break, broken and then your joy can spill over into uh no i was gonna <laughs> into the world um no i was gonna say that really that reminds me a lot of that ridiculously long podcast that you sent me that you were on um but it it, no it was with a bunch of people i didn't know okay it was about universalism but towards the end uh not sherry but the other lady was talking about like to be or not to be and to me that feels like shattering joy because i i don't i mean this isn't the case for everyone it's obviously not the case for everyone but like i just feel like to choose not to be would be to choose not to feel joy and in that way you're shattering yourself Otherwise, I don't know how you shatter it yourself. I feel like other people can shatter it for you unless you choose not to be and to just not feel. And then you can shatter it. That's Because that's kind of what, that that seems like what they were talking about on that podcast. I don't know, it was three hours long. So like there were times I was fading in and out of it, but. (laughs) That's a good point. And she's recently been reading the book of Job with people. And I think that's a good yeah and job says like would it better to have not been born at all or whatever and that's like the whole question like would it be better to like never have been born but then like uh sherry said like when you you can choose not to be by choosing not to like feel and not like if you don't if you don't feel anything you're not really a part of human society anymore i guess that could be that could be wrong no i like, I like this I, it's a lot of silence <laughs> no it's good i bring i feel like you bring a really good uh perspective and take on it um, i just i'm trying to to connect the imagery with the with everything you just said the with the glass and the frame with and the glass and all that well stuff, that, yeah. that's just that's just the only way i can imagine shattering joy yourself mm-hmm. Because otherwise, the examples that you were given, giving were like someone else shattered that for you. you yeah, didn't I, I agree with that, Natalie. To happen to you, like you didn't choose to do that, but like mm-hmm. you can choose not to feel joy, and that would be shattering that class. So, could we, could I ask a question here and say, um, Well, because my mind just jumped to back to Fantasties again um, and Cosmo's Magic Mirror, where we were originally kind of going to try to start, but he shatters the glass. He ha- His joy is in the glass, and he shatters it to to set it free. Does that remember that story? Give us a recap of the story. So Cosmo's Magic Mirror, uh, he, he buys us this mirror in this this like kind of like sounds like a pawn shop or something just a store and then he puts it on his wall and then um he notices behind him this lady keeps walking into the frame and so he starts uh cleaning up his he cleans his room like jordan peterson says he cleans up his room so uh so she'll like the place more because he sees she's kind of he's got like a skeleton and stuff in there because he just like studies things and so she's kind of disgusted by it a little bit or you can see she doesn't really like it so he cleans up the room makes it really nice for her and is trying to please her and all this stuff and then he has no contact with her so eventually he perform, performs like some summoning ritual or something and she he has like a circle and uh does this this uh spell and then she ends up 
and the actual woman comes into his room and then I can't remember what happens exactly. I don't know if, I think that's when she asks him to shatter the mirror or something and he hesitates and then lightning strikes or something and he goes unconscious and then she's gone and then the mirror is gone as well. And he finds out this other man has stolen the mirror, um, but in, but he wants to find the mirror so that way he can, because he feels like he did her wrong. That was the one thing she asked of him. She was like, if you truly love me, then shatter the mirror. Like if you, you wouldn't keep me trapped in this mirror. And then, so he has to go eventually, he basically dies fighting the guy, uh, but he shatters the mirror. Uh, he like, I think goes to some party, finds out this information where the guy's gonna be, gets into a confrontation with the guy, ends up shattering the mirror, but he gets stabbed in the process and he meets the girl on the bridge at like the, the end when uh, he's dying, but she's free. Cause it's, a, she's a real, girl but like something about her being trapped in the middle uh, in the mirror she's like deathly ill and she's gonna die and this is how she gets healed again and is able to live again so i all that to say i didn't know if that kind of tied in something to what you were saying natalie about shattering the mirror yourself like if you have this joy in the mirror and you see it constricted or something i don't know is there a way is there are there circumstances where you can I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at. Shatter the glass. Does the frame broaden? Like if when you rebuild it, like your concept of joy, for instance, you have to, you break it, you release it. You probably have to rebuild a frame around it. Otherwise you have no concept of it. But I wonder if that is a way of a necessary process in order to expand one's conception of what joy is or deepening one's understanding of joy or any other word you could choose, like an intangible like that, like, a, like they're not really a, I don't know what the substance of joy is or Do you think, Craig, that we're thinking too deeply about the meaning of joy in this context? Is it like in Chesterton's words, like that was right on the heels of talking about fairy tales? So it makes me think about um, fantasies too. And it makes more sense if it's not specifically joy that we're talking about. So there was that few lines in chapter three or four where he's walking along and he's noticing all the funky things going on. And he's, he makes a comment like, and I didn't even notice it anymore. I didn't, I chose not to think critically about it because they were all just fantastic. And you expect to begin, you begin to expect the unexpected. Do you remember that? Yes. And so if I'm equating what he's talking about joy to fairy tales, um, one way that he could shatter the joy in one way that, um, the guy in Fantastic's Joy is delicate in that sense would be to stop and recognize how ludicrous everything is. But instead, he chooses just to look at it and admire it and to realize that that is just in a frame of fairyland that is also equally as chaotic and crazy. Um, right. So do you think we're overanalyzing the fact that he says joy and happiness 
by thinking of it in terms of like a spiritual sense or a or a sense of or a state of being rather than like an experience does that make sense like the ball could be a joyful experience and we're going to the ball could be joyful the, the question you're asking makes a lot of sense that to to emphasize joy isn't my default instinct that's not to say it's not it's not fruitful i i wanted i wanted to see what you guys thought was there um, my my default interpretation is to ask if this if this pattern is showing up in all of our stories what does that reflect about the world we live in if there's a if there's a pattern if there's an abstraction uh, what's it getting at what's it about and I, I don't think it's joy specifically but there's I, I think we've touched a lot of things that are really interesting to explore we talked about Jason I think you talked about death and that feels to conform to the pattern really heavily and we talked about relationships ending I'm curious if death strikes you guys as a, a meaningful direction to explore yeah there you go there does it seem like that fits the the it conforms to the pattern of the, the fragile glass it feels it feels like it does more so than like joy does because when um you brought up like reframing in a bigger frame joy does feel more like an example of like if your house burns down can you rebuild it bigger you know it feels more like that rather than like uh glass being broken i mean i guess you could still think of it that way but i think death i mean death is a little more final than others your house burns down you could build it bigger <laughs> or like he said he was he's saying like can you build the frame bigger and hold more joy my, well my first thought is that sorry go ahead Luke. i wouldn't even say more joy well i mean it would but it would include an understanding of its opposite so it's like whatever the opposite of joy is misery you know because the i would i would assume that the breaking of the the glass would it include the death of whatever that frame held and held together and so it's like I would, I, my immediate thought goes straight to the, the absence of whatever that thing is. And so then now the absence informs the lack of whatever that substance is also informs what, when you reframe it, what that substance now includes. And so it's like, so you're, the depth of joy is, in, is increased. So it's not necessarily, yeah, it's more joy, but it's not necessarily like, bigger joy it's like deeper joy yeah okay i don't know if that makes sense but it does it feels like something we're dancing around is that in our experience there's a there's varying degrees of recoverability like if you if you shatter your joy you can recover it if you shatter your house you can recover it On the other end of the spectrum, there's things like death, or we, we talked about maybe virginity is in this category. There's things that we seem to feel like have a sacred importance 
and maybe maybe the sacredness is a function of the unrecoverability, the uh, unrepairability. We feel that way about art too. You know, when you go into a museum, you have these things and they're roped off and we all have a, a respect for them because we know you can't recreate that because the, the creator is, is passed away, that it came from a different time. And so it's sacred in that sense. You know, uh, Bill Watterson, I don't know if this is a true statement, but I heard, I think I heard this from my cousin, Chris. He goes down and he will draw this uh, meadow by his house. I don't know why this was years ago that I heard this. So I have no idea if this is true. Um, but then he'll just throw it away afterwards. Um, and I feel like that's, I don't know. I feel like there's a deep understanding to that idea that, um, that I'm dealing with the glass. I'm dealing with the reflection of the true thing. Like, cause we feel that way. Like we feel that way about art or we feel that way about anything material. It's like we have the, and virginity and all this stuff. We feel like it's unrecoverable. Like we can't get it back, but it came from somewhere to begin with, wherever that place was. And I feel like this kind of touches a little bit at what I definitely need to think about more, but just the idea of memory, like why, uh, why would I remember uh, it? Why would I remember something in its virgin state? Like that seems like torment. Why not just why not just forget it? It seems like there's there's something to do with the Garden of Eden, untouched virgin. Why is that still something I desire if I can't get it back? You know. And then, it, but it's it kind of gets. I don't know what I'm getting at. I feel like I'm just rambling in circles here now. But like Bill Watterson went and and uh, drew the Garden of Eden or something. And then he has it. And then it's just like, there's more, you know? Like what you just, I don't know. It gets at that idea I think I'm always getting at where it's like, I just always, it's like, there's always more. It's like, I, I have I have the garden now, but it's like, like the book Fantasy starts off that way. He sees this this ocean or something, and he says, "There must be an ocean like this somewhere." And it says, "In fa and this voice responds to him in fairyland," and it's uh, uh, so you see the Garden of Eden. You're like, "There must be," and I think when Peugeot, sorry, I, I'm like everything's coming out really scattered. I think Jonathan Peugeot talks about this in terms of faith. Like you would see an apple, and then you'd think, "Oh, this there must be an apple tree." And so you'd be almost inclined to throw away the apple and go after the apple tree. Then you get the apple tree and you think, oh, there must be an apple orchard. And so it's like you, but we, we have this something inside of us that I think is like you're getting at Craig is definitely necessary because we don't, it's not, it's not right to throw away the apple tree. Like we still want to keep the, we don't just want to burn the forest down looking for the greater thing you know it's like there uh, is, is any of this making sense it's making sense in my head <laughs> but it's not coming out right in words jason we lost you. you you were talking about an apple orchard and then you cut off yeah so yeah i'll try to go back into it so, so peugeot when he talks about like faith he says faith is just the next leap like you see you have the apple and then you think 
there's there must be an apple tree you see the apple tree then you think well there must be an apple orchard and so you just keep you keep jumping these levels of like there's more there's greater but then I what I ended that with was like it seems like what you're saying Craig I think is very important also that it's not right to just like I don't know that it's right to just throw away the apple or whatever's virgin like hey let's just get rid of it because there's got to be more or something I, I don't really know I don't really know what I'm getting at like I, do, I wouldn't destroy I wouldn't destroy the one apple tree so that I could have the orchard type thing does that make sense you wouldn't destroy the one apple tree so that you could have the orchard yeah this, I, I, I feel like I just talked in a bunch of weird circles and didn't connect anything <laughs> yeah. and none of it had made sense in my head and it just didn't come out at all like, and I started with this no. weird Bill oh. Watterson thing, and I'm like, I don't even know how that connected anymore. Well, it kind of, it reminds me of what um, I mentioned to you, Jason, that I was talking to Jesse about the other day. Um, I was telling her about this book, and uh, she brought up the idea of, like, the garden as, um, like, a realm that we don't, we are cursed not to see, like, part of the curse of man is that we like can no longer see what we used to be able to see. So I feel like there's never going to be a time where we don't have that longing for something that was given to us initially that we no longer have. If that is true, if that's something that like, so I feel like you paint a portrait of the garden, like that's cool, but like, it's not going to have everything. Cause we only have what we can see. We only have what we understand and we're, mi we're missing a piece of something according to that theory we would be missing a piece of something and he even like i mean he basically said that in the book when i was reading it today uh he said um was page 77 for me it's probably not anything for you guys but he's basically talking about like um, do you want me to just read it? Is that going to be annoying? No, no please. Okay. <laughs> it says, um, they who believe in the influences of the stars over the fates of men are, in feeling at least, nearer the truth than they who regard the heavenly bodies as related to them merely by a common obedience to an external law. All that man sees has to mm. do with man. Worlds cannot be without an intermundane, intermundane relationship. The community of the center of all creation suggests an interradiating connection and dependence of the parts. Else, a grander idea is conceived than that which is already embodied. The blank, which is only a forgotten life lying behind the consciousness, and the mis misty splendor, which is an undeveloped life lying before it, may be full of mysterious revelations of other connections with the worlds around us than those of science and poetry. No shining belt or gleaming moon, no red or green glory in a self-encircling twin star, but has a relation with the hidden things of a man's soul, and it may be with the secret history of his body as well. They are portions of the living house wherein he abides. Does that make sense? <laughs> There's a lot of things, but uh, I don't know. It feels It feels like it's like encompassing that idea of like, like there are hidden things in a man's soul that like we don't we don't understand like there's like a garden that we can't get to yes and there's like realms that we don't know and it just feel, it feels to me like that is like when she said that the other night I was like wow that like feels like 
the curse of man to like be stripped of the garden that way. And we have this idea that it's like a place that no one can find, but it could just be like a realm that I can find, which sounds really dumb when you use that word. There's other words that probably would be better, but like, I don't know. It's interesting. I think you're hundred percent right. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. And that's basically exactly what Jason was saying as well. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> was that memory can kind of be like tormenting. Um, because you have like a picture of it, of the ideal, the unreachable ideal. And I, like, even if you could return to the ideal or what have you, it's like, would it, would it be, would it satisfy you? Like there's something that needs to remain elusive about it. And that's part of its, that's part of how it operates on the will and our, our, our desires. So it's like, mm. it's, um, if you, if it were to be satisfied, you wouldn't, you would no longer seek it. Mm. Is there, we, we, we've said a lot of it. We say it is this way. It is that way. What, what's an appropriate name for the it that we're talking about? sweetness yeah and sorry i think to me i think it it can be anything sorry is this weird <laughs> no i like it <laughs> i'm gonna turn my light off too. yeah me too. <laughs> trying to play into that elusiveness um it was just every, everybody was like frozen for a while for me but i kept getting audio so hopefully it kind of oh, but, like everybody was frozen so i figured it was probably me. um but i would think it can be whatever um like whatever uh your heart's desire is a cheesy way to put it right because that we're yeah. talking about kind of like longing right for the garden. yeah i was about to say it feels like man's longing for something more like that's really all it feels like it's like yeah, so I was kind of playing, as you guys were talking, I was just kind of going through my head because I was kind of trying to play through scenarios because... You weren't listening? No, I, I was trying to listen. <laughs> but like, well, because it was because you, you're talking about the garden wanting to get back to it. And I know I've mentioned you, Natalie, before. Mm. I was like, or it was like last Christmas or the Christmas before, I was like, it feels like everything I want is in the past. Oh, I no. feel like I had it all. Like, it feels like like the Shire, like Frodo leaving the Shire. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, guy, I used to have a garden, mm -hmm. used to have a dog, used to have like this perfect mm -hmm. life. And now it's all gone. But it's like, I don't, I was, guess I was just thinking in my head, like, I don't look at pictures that much anymore because they seem to just be very unsatisfactory, mm -hmm. you know? But then even, but then I'm like, the actual dog, if I had my actual dog again, like I wouldn't, kill her so that way i could have some mystical uh dreamlike version of her eternal version of her but it still is I, I guess i'm trying to get back to the idea of like you not wanting to break it apart or shatter the glass or something like i i don't think i'd want i wouldn't purposely do that but then at the same time it's like kind of even getting out when craig brought up death it's like it 
sometimes it just feels like a matter of perspective to me because it's mm-hmm. like there's 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 more now like I, and it took me a while to experience that but it's like you know you can uh i have the memory but then the memory is also um more boundless does that make sense like yeah. it's, it's like even even this body when i die it's like it's it'll be it'll be so sweet <laughs> because it's like it, it's like you're you're shedding the tent sort of thing you're um uh i mean you're as long as you go as long as you go to sleep in in love and forgiveness uh, i think your dreams would be just only those uh, and you wouldn't be in some torments of Hades or nightmares or bitter resentment. Um, and I think you would, if I, if, I mean, if it is how I truly believe and your spirit's real and you go on to other things, I think you would still want a body. And I think that's why there is all this emphasis on like the resurrection of the physical body, because it seems like the, any spirit does want a body, like any idea, any thought you want to materialize it and make it things. But it seems like once you do that, like kind of like you're talking about there's still this longing Natalie and you just want it to be more like we've kind of talked about this idea a little bit more as well like in the when he finds the alabaster lady in Fantasties it's like she's just she came from this artist's mind it was this idea this spiritual idea of this lady it was in the heavens and he put it into stone and then Anotos finds her and just wants her to be alive it's like yeah it's and same thing with, I think, mm. these bodies, too. We're longing for the body that doesn't, <laughs> like, get mm. sick and ill and, like, all this stuff. It's, like, we know we want to shed this tent to get another one. And it's, like, I don't know. Let me you ask you a know. question about that. Go ahead, Natalie. Oh, no, I was just clarifying. Like, you don't know if it'll ever satisfy is basically what you're saying. Yeah, I kind of hope it doesn't. But that's just, I think that's just me. Because if Mitch were in here, I think he would say that there's going to be a, a rest and we will be satisfied and Mitch be, would say that and i think and i, I think there's something to that on. i i do think there's something to that idea because but then i i mean to me i'm like i just want to further up and further in as you know well it's almost is. almost I, he's almost right just by definition because mm-hmm. our definition of this thing we have an intimation of the ideal place or the ideal way of being and part of the definition of it is that it's satisfying it's the uh, uh, what is it? The it's the land before time. What's the place we always talk about? Oh, goodness, you and me going about the promised land imagery in that movie. Yeah, but part part of me this is going to take the conversation in a really weird direction. Do it. But part of me, when you are talking about like um, like getting a new body. And like, like all like spirits always longing for something physical, or like even like having a an idea and wanting to like make it. Mm-hmm. It's like cool once you make it. Like it goes back to that idea of like the artist and the art. Like once once you've done that, it's like it's there. You've lost all mystery. <clears throat> Someone said that earlier about mystery, and like it just like it feels like when you lose the mystery of something it it does lose its satisfaction in a small way and mm-hmm. i don't know why that is yeah, and I, don't well, that, I don't know if that ever goes away it but it's like, 
I'm sorry, I'm too eager. <laughs> no, say it. <laughs> Are you talking about when something that's just pure potential? Yeah. It's so rich and mysterious because it has infinite potential, but mm -hmm. it loses all that potential when it becomes actual. Yeah. Yeah, it's that idea of like, well, because if we think about, I feel like this is a bold statement, but I feel like if we think about potential and and like uh, art or whatever, you know, in terms of like feminine and masculine, then the way that we think about heaven is purely masculine. And so I'm like, if there's no mystery still, if there's no feminine there, we won't be satisfied. So there has to be more than what we've written it to be or what we've thought of it to be. And there is, that's what people say. It's like more than you can imagine, more than you can think. There's more colors than, or whatever, you know, like all sorts of stuff. There's supposed to be all this mystery behind it, but then if we're there and we're satisfied, then it's like, where, where is the feminine? Right. Like if it, so I, I agree with what you're saying. It, it, sound, it feels like when we say, or you could say if, if it wasn't satisfying, if it wasn't still mysterious, it wouldn't be the promised land. Yeah. And so if it has to be both, it's almost like when people say it, there's this cheesy thing that people say if it's not okay it's not the end yeah is it like that yeah kind of i guess what does that mean if it's not okay it's not the end it's just a dumb thing that people say they <laughs> they post places to comfort each other they say everything's oh. going to be okay in the end if it's not Got okay, oh it's, gotcha then it's not the end but it sounds like this this place, like by definition, has to be both totally satisfying, but also totally unreachable. Yeah, we're not going to be satisfied with the representations. And that's even like Plato's critique of art. And I don't know how Aristotle rescues it exactly, but it was like, like at least good art still eludes. And that is... It, it it's the, the it doesn't even it almost doesn't represent in any sort of like propositional way it 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 doesn't define it it always is pushing the audience or the viewer or whatever beyond the representation to well for them it would be the universal or whatever so hmm. I, you, you're, I think you're getting at you, 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 you're contacting something that is, seems really related. We brushed on, there's kind of a different kind of ideal, like an intimation of the ideal where it's not an intimation of the ideal place, but you talk, you use representational, like uh, there's intimations of the ideal way to be as a person and that connects that's related to the idea of christ and we have a sense in general in the west i feel that christ was so profound because he was both you know, limitless and like a representation like he was both potential and yeah limitation the concrete universal is what i, I keep on throwing that around as like concrete universal who 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 Christ is, you know, it's like, but it seems, that seems like it suggests that there's maybe a, a problem. There's something that's innately un, unsatisfying about Christ because he's so particular. 
but it's also the rarity that makes it so makes him so satisfying what makes him so satisfying his particularity Hmm. that's also the but that's i don't know (laughs) yeah because you need you need you need a name to uh, you need an identity in order to have a relationship with it. And I think that's the satisfying part about it is it's like, here, here. like in Job, Job wants that. He's looking at God and God's just out there in space. And he's like, you're not a man like me that we could go to court together. Like you're, you're the, when God shows, like reveals himself, but he's the, um, he's, I am like, then, uh, the Jewish people have like he's the name that can't be named because as soon as you name God, it's it's idolatry, because you're you're reducing him into my understanding of the world. Whatever that name means, I'm putting God in a box in this category, and but it's like you have to do that in order to to relate to him. Like you can't just be this this uh, disintegrating ethereal thing thing all the time. So I think that is the the the, the part about Christ where you're like eat my flesh drink my blood it's right here like i can i can touch you i can taste you i can handle you i can uh i think that's the satisfying part is it's like yeah the the infinite um was embodied psalm 136 just came and became a man you know it's like his mercy endures forever just literally was at its fullness in in this finite thing oh no i disappeared again didn't i you did yeah can you see how confused we all are? Yeah, I got, I got it like froze. <laughs> Everybody's frozen. And then all of a sudden you're. Uh... <laughs> what can you repeat what you said? I'm sorry. I said, I don't know if I can now. I don't know where it stopped. So you're going to get so many bugs in your house if you don't close that door. <laughs> um anyway where did it where did it cut out I should close mine uh do you remember the exact point i feel like craig does you were saying uh, you were talking about job and how job was longing for God, all the way back to have, to have a relationship Good with lord I, I don't know if that's it exactly but um, no it, no, no. i think it's a little after that because you were also saying like it's like eat my flesh drink my blood it's something that you can like physically like tangibly taste and that's what's like satisfying about it is that it's like reachable and attainable yeah and you can relate to it and it's like the the infinite became finite and what i ended with it's it's, it's psalm 136 like it's just being embodied in the man the mercy his mercy endures forever his mercy endures for that's the one refrain in the bible where it's like this is infinite this is the the boundless thing sort of and it's like that actually became something something we could actually relate to i mean go ahead i'm sorry craig we're like all over each other i i just don't understand like it doesn't feel to me like like relatability and understanding are the same as satisfaction and that feels like what you gain from having a tangible God. But like, on the other hand, if you look at him in the way of like also fully God, or even in the concept of like a piece, like we're looking at a piece of art and like you, were, or or like you were saying, like 
uh, Plato, right? Talking about like everyone's ideas of like what heaven is and how we won't fully comprehend it. And like, just like the subject subjectivity of it. And then that is what makes it keep its mystery, I guess. Mm. And it's the combination of the two. What's so satisfying. Mm. And is that why we're more satisfied with that's a really bold statement, but is that why we're more satisfied with like the Christ image than some people are with like the image of just the father? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I, uh, it does, it does seem like there is this more potential thing or a more elusive thing that you, you just can't interface with it in any way because it has, it's not particular at all. And so that, that kind of infinite ground of being and potential it's it's almost like it has to it puts on a we talk about it like it's god but god is like a it wears god's like it like clothes do you know what i mean uh-huh. a, a god is like a garment for this thing because if it didn't have a garment then it just is uninteractable but it doesn't mean that we don't long for the thing itself Hmm. does that sound like nonsense or i'm curious and that that then necessitates the incarnation or i guess i was trying to figure out where that where you're headed with it are you saying um well my go ahead what it seems like it implies and I know a lot of people would hate this, but it feels like this is an inherent uh, kind of limitation of Christ or like a weakness of Christ. Like Christ, it feels like is, he's in some ways less than we could conceive of. He had to become lack. You know, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) This plays Mm -hmm. off some video I was watching earlier today about uh, Peter Rollins and, and all those, you know, that which God's lack is, that which God lacks is lack itself. Therefore, he, I mean, that invite by which God could even identify with man or by which we could identify with God, God had to become hmm. lack. Well, in order for us to participate in that which doesn't lack. What the hell am I saying? <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm, I'm curious about? The fact that we can sit here and we can talk about, we could have a conversation about the ways where Christ wasn't perfect or where he's not satisfying. And because we can, uh, it seems like it leads to all these questions about his perfection like there's there's an aspect of him that is totally unsatisfying because we we still have to talk about whether or not this like christ is the right way so i don't want to like take us back eight steps but do it i think it would be helpful to define what we mean as a collective when we say when we talk about satisfying because yeah. it's satisfaction from food is a very different satisfaction from an outing, which is a different satisfaction of a, your understanding of a spiritual being. So when you talk about satisfaction, Craig, what do you 
what are you referencing when you say Jesus Christ is not satisfied? And like, I partially agree with you, right? I just, I want to nail down that terminology. I feel like the, what makes the most sense is like a lack for wanting more is what by definition, I feel like satisfaction would be. If you're satisfied, you don't want any more. But I, I mean, that could mean something different to you guys. No, see, I, I, I think I completely agree with you, Natalie, but then, but I, then I think in a way Jesus was the most, uh, wait, say that, say that one more time. <laughs> Satisfaction is a lack of. A lack for wanting more. Were you about to say Jesus was the most unsatisfying? Because yeah. it kind of feels that yeah, way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, and it feels yeah. like that's what heaven should be too. I don't think it should be satisfactory because if it is, then that means it's answered all of our questions. And if we have no more questions, there's nothing more for us to learn. And then if there's nothing more for us to learn, then aren't we just like God himself? Right. Well, that's what Luke was saying is like when, once the mystery and the potential is removed from the ideal the ideal is no longer the ideal because the ideal has to be something that's floating out there so yeah. in a way i mean i know jesus was perfect but in a way through this logic jesus was perfect for what he was sent to do because uh yeah. he was the least satisfying thing that you could have ever had in that <laughs> regard right well it's like what's weird is i'm just thinking about jesus as the way and mm. it's like maybe that maybe that sheds a little light on it but it's like i the way to what the way to final participation uh the where there is because that's what i think is fullness like uh and i'm thinking of the garden and belonging there i don't know hmm. and not being exiled from it or not being forbidden to partake in it would you say he was he was a person who was living in the garden on earth he says um he says the kingdom of heaven is within you so i would i would be inclined to say maybe yes uh um yeah i would think so because um i think i think anybody can live there um but maybe i've just reduced my my views that i don't i i can't get at it like i can't say i reduce my views because it just it, it doesn't make sense to me any 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 other way like i used to see it how i've reframed things now just like is the only way it makes sense in my head. And it has to do around with um, with basically the logos being in a vessel of mercy. The logos is on the mercy seat and that's how everything works. Like, I don't care what the hell your God is. It can be anything. Like it can be um, goodness. It can be truth. It can be beauty. You can exalt whatever you want. Cause we all have like, our own ideas of what's it, what's most important to us. We all have our own telos, our own end goal, like our own purpose in life. And but if that highest good, our most high, is not in some is not sitting on like a throne of mercy, then it just 
creates like either chaos or tyranny or something but it's like if it's on mercy then it's like if if that logos what i'm whatever's inside of me that i think is most high that i'm going after if i make myself a vessel of mercy for that to reside in then i think to me that's something like the garden because it keeps me humble and uh to me, the Garden of Eden just boils down to pride and humility. And so I think that's a, I don't, I feel like, God, I feel like I'm doing terrible in this conversation tonight. No, you're not. <laughs> you said something really interesting. Sorry, guys. Well, you, 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 you said, you said, you do, I don't want to reduce anything. And I, it felt like what you were doing was not reducing at all. Because if what you're, what you're suggesting is that he is the, Luke, you said he's the way. And it sounded, Jason, like you were saying that he is the way back. Like he's the way to, his way of being was the way to that garden state, that Eden state. Which, it, I mean, the, the implications of that is, I, I don't pretend to know them all, but you said. It, it feels if simple. That's, if that's true, he's not, he's not something to be accepted. He's something to be, he's someone to be emulated. But that's pretty different than the way that a lot of people react to him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. He's something to be, uh, he has a way to follow. Uh, uh, it, it's a, okay, something that confuses me a little bit is I don't know why Christ was resurrected and Stephen wasn't, because it's like the same freaking thing. And so like Stephen was emulating Christ. Does that make sense, mm. Stephen the Martyr? So uh, to me, I think that's ultimately um, the Christian way. I think maybe in accepting him, where it comes to accepting him, is actually um, I'm trying to think of the right way to get at this. the The importance of the in the the acceptance of the idea that the infinite actually became finite. Like uh, the story actually touched man because I think all the ancient stories have this, this idea of a son of God and, uh, and it's never actually embodied. Or if it does, it seems to just like not, it, it doesn't, when, when yeah, the, son, when, when, when the like son of God, when the son of God becomes man throughout all the stories, like all the stories can have this. And any and anyone can be a son of God. It just depends on who your God is. But you get to this point and you go all the way up the mountain and then you're king, right? And so the son of God always becomes king. But Jesus, like he's at the top of the mountain and then he he becomes the martyr. It's like he has this extra leap where it's just like yeah. and it's and it's just and becoming the martyr like not only ascends to heaven but it like descends to hell and just pulls all together and it's just yeah. Yes. I think I think that's maybe where the acceptance comes is that you look at it and you're like, this actually happened. Like someone actually that, which would be the infinite God, I guess, the, the divine love mercy that creates and holds all things together actually came to its fullness in a, in a man. There's, yeah. there's something, I think some, that's maybe there's the something accept. special because there's something special because we could, we could imagine a world where the Viking the Viking god Thor was perhaps a real person and he, you know, he was godlike, but it's like as if 
there's something special about Christianity because it's as if lightning has been striking, but this is the time that it caught fire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what to do with that. <laughs> I don't know if it is good. <laughs> I didn't really understand your reference to Stephen. Can you explain Steve, that? To me? Oh, because um, he, it, the story is just so parallel. Like he basically, he just, he, Stephen the martyr, and it's like Acts, I think chapter seven or something. He, um, he, he basically, he, he goes to the Jews and they, they get mad at him. And then he basically just lays out the, the truth, the logos. He's like, there's, here's the, your history. Here's what happened. Um, you all missed the mark you sinned um you even killed your savior sort of thing like he just basically just throws him and says here's the truth you didn't live up to it which you can kind of do with anybody because we all have an ideal we're aiming at and we're always going to miss it because like you said it's infinite we're never going to necessarily hit it so he just says here's the truth here's the logos and then they pick up stones to kill him and then he says forgive him lord they don't know what they do like he responds the same way christ does he just like he says uh, he looks on the people that are killing him and says, they're just children. Like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like, even though they're claiming to know what they're doing, he's like, they're not infinite. Like you God. they don't know what they're doing. Um, and so he just, um, even in embodying the truth and holding to the truth, it's like he encompasses it in this, in this forgiveness, this vessel of forgiveness and mercy. And so it's like, I mean, to me, it seems like the same thing Christ did. That's why I'm like, Christ got to rise three days later. Like, why didn't Stephen? I I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough, but it's just something that's come to my mind before. It's probably it ruined the story. You can't have true. the same thing happen twice. Yeah, that's just bad. That's just bad writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm. I just feel like. This is a, again, stop me if I'm going too off base, please. But like you guys are talking about like Christ being defined as the way. And like, it it reminds me of like the pilgrimage, you know, like you're, you're walking like on the Camino, they call it the way. That's what you're walking on. You're walking to Santiago. And when you get to Santiago, literally no one cares. Like nobody cares. You get there and you're like, cool, I made it. I have this certificate. I had stayed in line and like had a number and they gave me this piece of paper and like it's printed and it's not even handwritten. And like, no one cares about Santiago. Your best memories are all along the way. And like, and they even have a saying, you keep talking about like, uh, what is it? Deep, deeper in and deeper up, further in and further up. <laughs> further up and further in <laughs> sorry sounded really bad when i use the word deeper but the, there's a saying on the camino and it's go further and go higher like that's what they say it's ultrea and Susea. it's all the same concept and it's like with christ like when you're on the way when you're when you're following christ as the way you want to go further and go higher and i think like for me a deep fear when i was a kid and I told Jason this I was like terrified of heaven because I was like 
once I get there, what am I going to do? There's nothing to do there. I don't want to be on my face 24 seven, praising the Lord, no offense, but like, I would like to be doing other stuff too. And so like, it's just this idea of like, even, even still, sometimes I think about heaven and if I think about it too much, it freaks me out because I'm like, I'm not ready to be there yet. I'm, I'm enjoying the way I'm, I mean, like, I'm not always enjoying it, but it's like, it's a way. And that's where that's what forms who you are. And I think, I don't know, Jason, I talked a lot about like the image of heaven and how like it's changed for him. And like, when he described it to me, it helped me a lot because I always felt like, oh, I'm going to like die and poof into a new person. That's like perfect because I'll be fully satisfied and I won't want anything else and I'll never sit again. And I'll just be an entirely different person because that's not who I am now. (laughs) So it's just like, I don't know. I think this idea of like Christ being the way is like really important, but I think we get so focused in on like the way to what, and it's like, that doesn't really matter. He's just the way. Mm, So he's just the journey. And that's what we need to focus on. We don't need to focus on, on the end. It's not that important in the grand scheme. Not as important as the way, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think I think you're on something. Because I think the end is the way. Because <laughs> it's unending, right? Like yeah. The journey okay. is like once you you live. If you're living life, emul- emulating Christ and living like yeah. Him and living in a state of love and appreciation and thankfulness and all that stuff, it's like that's eternal. Like so it's yeah that's way, it yeah the way is the is the end like if it all began in love if it all began in, in self-sacrificial love is what creates that's that's eternal it just it keeps on creating and so it's yeah, there really is no i don't want to say there isn't an end because obviously there's ends to certain things but it's like there's always just a, a cycle like it, it, an end is a beginning and so there is an end yeah. but yeah So in that way, if we circle back to the beginning, then heaven's not going to satisfy because, because in that way, like God is continually creating because he's a creator. That's what he does. So if heaven is just going to be a continuation of the way, then there's always going to be mystery and there's always going to be a longing in us for more. And so it will never satisfy. (laughs) All I'm thinking of is the great divorce right now. I haven't read that. C.S. Lewis, where I shouldn't spoil it then because it is pretty good. Spoil it. Um, Tell us about it. It's, it's been around yeah, for, please. It's been around for a long time. should have read it by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like he, the, oh man, I'll probably flub around, but the, these people are living in a, mundane city and they get on a bus and the bus takes them to this other place and they get off the bus anyways this place that they're at is heaven but it's not even recognizable as heaven but like for instance like the main character and i can't even remember the name but the the grass like he gets off the bus and and tries to walk and he can't even walk on the grass because the grass is too sharp. So like he has to like build a tolerance to the grass. He has to form calluses 
on his feet before he can even walk in this place and like he's he doesn't know really what's going on and then he finally begins to realize that this place is heaven so he has to become more real because like he's watching other people who have just gotten there who like immediately die because a butterfly flies right through them you know and like you know like that like that's how real but he's like a shell you know he's like trans almost like a transparent entity or like he's so soft he can't handle heaven you know and then um yeah anyways so that like once you get to heaven it's just like having to at least for c.s lewis and i know that this isn't this everybody can have their own imagination when it comes to what heaven could or would be like or final participation or what have you but I, I can't even imagine that it would be like just this final this final state of rest so have you like there's just the like what if it's just like an adjustment to like actually what the real is because the real is just like I don't even know you get what I'm trying to say but that book is I probably did a terrible job um summarizing it it's well worth the read and i won't spoil the ending because that's really good too it almost sounded like you were going to tell us that when he was stepping on the, the sharp grass he realized that he was in hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that would be funny. The thing is like what if that's it's almost like a new starting place like and it does feel like hell because like it's going to pierce your feet. It's painful. Yeah, growth is painful. Hmm. Which is ironic because I feel like we're usually told like there's no more sorrow, no more pain. Yeah. Well, I mean, the like, Bible says that. So that's why I think that's why we're Yeah, I know, that. but like. Yeah. You say when your tears will be wiped away. <laughs> yeah. Like right when you get there? No, probably not. <laughs> Just periodically. Hmm. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to add on to that. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Mitch did say something to me one time, though, that stuck with me. He said, don't, I, we don't need to think about rest in the form of stasis or like a repose or a conclusion, I guess, to say. And because we we butt heads on this stuff a lot, but it's great. Um, that's that's why I like it. Because but um he, I think, and I think I've I've been chewing on that because I'm like because I have this perception of rest when I come into rest, as it being a repose, or like a conclusion or the closing the book or the end or something like that, and I think it's maybe, maybe the witch the way ah the way in which, Mitch perceives it is like a, a mode of being so you're you're continually going creating 
or expanding further up and further in, but you're just in a, a state of rest, um, which I'm, I'm going to definitely have to chew on that because Jesus says this one thing that's never made sense to me ever where God, it says God rests on the seventh day. And then Jesus comes and he says, until now, my father has been working and I have been working. And I'm like, hey, I thought God rested at some point. Like he, he never mm. stopped. So it's like, he's, what is he working or is he resting? Like what's going on here? I don't know. And so I don't mm. know if there'll be, if there's something to that where, where Mitch like kind of has this, the way he, he conceptualizes rest is something similar to that. And I just haven't, hasn't clicked for me yet. I don't know. Because I don't really want to live in a state of turmoil all the time. Like it'd be nice to live in a state of rest. So I think there's something to that, but. Right. Sounds just like a state of peace. Like a what? A oh, peace. peace. What I do you think you said, I said, her? I thought, I thought, no, I, thought, I just think penis. I thought you, I thought you said peas, like like the little green little green vegetable. I was like, what? Yeah. So um, I'm curious for everybody's impression. Is it more compelling for you guys as individuals to think of heaven as a destination that is that's perfect, or to think of it the way Natalie described it, where it's it's a state that you can participate in you can is it something that you bring down into your own experience which one is more compelling the second the latter i choose both i'm that guy no i'm just kidding i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know because i thought i've had recently is the end any any sort of conclusion is with reference to the entire the, the entirety of the story so natalie you're saying like it is the way and it's just the continuation of the way so if you think about like sleeping beauty if at the conclusion uh he just goes and saves the princess that's fine but it's because of the entire backstory is what makes the conclusion what it is right and, and it's like the conclusion is what it is because of what happened in order to get there. And so I think that is, I mean, I think that you're spot on, Natalie, in saying that it, it will be continuation, it's bringing down. But I also think that there's this element of elevating up because of everything that has already been passed, if that makes any sense at all. No, that makes sense. So I, I do agree with Jason. I think it's both. Well, pretty... elevating up that is that that's different than like is that different? I'm sorry. It, it sounds I... like the difference between it sounds like we're asking is it that you're bringing heaven down or you're bringing the earth up towards heaven? Maybe uh, that's is that is that what you? I don't know that that's necessarily what I meant. I think I'm I'm more because I feel like well, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Maybe that is what I meant. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I think I, I think I was thinking like, I guess it is bringing it down if it's a continuation. That's what I was thought you were saying. Yeah, yeah, I guess it would be. Well, it wouldn't be bringing it down. It would be meeting where meeting you where you are, and it would be similar to like 
the story that you were telling about like having to like entering a heavenly realm and then, I mean same as fantasties entering a new realm and then learning how to adapt because like that I mean that's kind of what we'll be doing we'll all of a sudden just be in an entirely new environment and are we just gonna just like God's just gonna go here's the knowledge for how to make it through this place you know it's like I think I think we'll have, it will be I guess it will be bringing it down so I get what you mean <laughs> I stand by my point <laughs> i keep thinking about like coming into and coming into your inheritance and i know you you guys are not like to the chapter in fantasties where he like realizes hey like the place he's been exploring and he finally comes to or this the fairyland that he's been exploring then he finally comes to this palace and he recognizes that this palace is his um i don't know where i was going with that but that idea of coming into your inheritance i was just thinking of like coming home like even when you come home like the chores don't stop like it's it's a place of rest but like Mm. you still have to keep you still gotta get the washboard out and scrub, you know, and, and it's like, but there's also like a, a deep satisfaction that can come from like, I don't even know, like a, a well-functioning homestead. I don't know. I'm definitely thinking about like, like literally just off like the farm, like the chores don't stop. You got to keep doing your chores. And, but like there's a deep joy and satisfaction that can f- come from participation in those ch- in those chores because like you're you are now participating in the way that you were meant to as a steward of the gift that you've been given mm-hmm. so it's like you're now participating in this perpetual state of gratitude that reveals the fullness of the reality of the goodness of God's gift. And that's your inheritance. So it's like, but also I like the idea of God just moving into the neighborhood too. So it's like, uh, yeah, I just read that part. Um, not, he hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't been very helpful, but like, he like, got to the palace and like is in his room or whatever um it's not not anything very useful yet but I I think like I think that's a really good example because it is kind of like where the familiar meets the unfamiliar um where he's like able to find his own room in an entirely like unfamiliar territory and like Mm -hmm. look out the window and there's something new um and it's just like a continual state of learning while also being in like and I, and I think there's something to that, like the combination of the two. You just need a, the yin and yang of everything to be satisfied. Because um, mm. even in like, even in our lives, like daily, like I think if I'm going to like do something insane and like be away from, like, like Jason, if I'm going to move to India for six months, I need to know that I'm going to have something familiar with me. So I'm going to bring like, certain things that I know that I'll want like Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my banjo because this is familiar. So the moments that I feel overwhelmed, I can have this with me and it'll make me satisfied. You know, there's just like that balance, like the yin and yang of both that I think that's the only way that you can really get there. Mm. And that idea of like coming to a castle that's like you inherited, but it's all unfamiliar. But then you find like this one room and you're like, oh. Yeah. And you don't lose your particularity. Mm -mm. That's a really good point to emphasize. I think that even definitely maps onto what Mitch is saying as well as like, even in rest, if you go home or you're at your house, it's not really a, a repose or a stasis. It doesn't just like, you know, and there's, there's a movie I was watching. I can't remember what it was. And uh, this girl was going to explore space, kind of like what we're talking about this further out and further in. And she was, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was, it wasn't too long ago. Um, but then she said, when she had told her, oh, maybe it was lost in space. Maybe that was it. I was watching that show and the, the mom character said she told her mom, this grandmotherly figure of like, she was going to go into space and explore and just explore the expanse and further up and further in. And, uh, and her grandmother responded, well, who's going to take care of the farm? And I don't know why, as soon as that line popped up, I, that just stood out to me so much. I was like, touche, grandma. Like, like you need this, this place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah, who's gonna, like, are you gonna eat space food the rest of your life? What if it storms out there? <laughs> like, what if, what if you go out in the woods and it starts raining on you? It's nice to be able to go home and get a hot cooked meal by the fire, you know? Mm-hmm. And someone's gotta, someone does have to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's Jesus, right? He's going to prepare a place for us. We get, yeah. we get explore. You don't have to do anything when we get there. We give the chores to Jesus. Yeah. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> you know, it almost one in all the stories we tell, we tell a lot of stories, and most of them the hero never goes home or the home is damaged in some way that they they'll never be able to recover it. It's shattered. I wonder if there's an alternate version of the Christian story where Christ went to hell, right? Or he he never came back. I'll tell you what I think. I think he's still there and in heaven. But that's just because I think he's eternal and he uh I, I that's just how I picture it now. I've gotten so weird. God. <laughs> but I'm like, it's I don't understand how how uh something spiritual can't touch both places at once you know like the the story of christ it Mm. it has to it has to be in hell or it can't meet you there like because that's where people find it you know yeah no i think you're right that would and i think it's more powerful if you if you would have read the inferno by dante Mm. i think it would have been a better story if he saw jesus in hell but what is hell is it the absent of absence of God? I actually don't know. I I okay. I, I wrote this little thing a while back. Um, to me, I think it's just a, It's like a 
bitterness, pride, self-righteousness. It's because um, if love is like the eternal self-sacrificial um, force, then it would be whatever is opposite that to me, which is very dualistic way of thinking and is probably maybe not right, but it would be uh, constantly choosing yourself, exalting yourself over the other, over another person. So I wrote this thing a while back and I basically just wrote, uh, I think John's read it. It was just maybe a few paragraphs and it was talking, it's titled heaven and it just goes through and it lists off all this yeah. beautiful imagery. And then it says there was like, I began to look at the flowers and they weren't moving and there was no wind. And I was, it was just total solitude. Like you have everything you want, everything you can imagine, but you're, you're alone because you chose yourself because you're so yeah. self-righteous and so because that's all self-righteousness. If you continue in it, it just continually scapegoats the other that you can put yourself above them because you have to keep justifying yourself by by sacrificing something else until you're literally just left in mm. all alone. And to me, that's that would be hell. Uh, and I don't, and it, it's like an eternal cycle. It's eternal in that it's a cycle you can live in and you can live in that cycle of just, Mm -hmm. do you think growing that and expanding that or you can get out of it yeah do you think that um like because if it's like a if it's a state of being um like say like your hell in your state of being is hatred and that's like what or it doesn't have to be pride or can it just, like, if I, like, if I just pick something, like if I pick like, I'm just, okay, track with me and then tell me if I'm wrong. So <laughs> if I picked yeah. hatred and like, that was my state of being and that was my hell because I was like, I choose this where my hatred stemmed from was from my anger and, and, uh, God gave me that. So in that way is Christ with me in my hell because he first gave me anger and I mistreated it and turned it into hatred. This is just like the glass slippers. In what way? Well, it's just, it's, it's just like the glass slippers because well, you could think of it as hell is a place that you can open a door to and the doors are everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's mm. like, the, like the glass mm. slipper in the sense that the, the potential for it is always there and once it's none of the doors are locked it's just you can bring hell on like you know it's easy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i personally don't see hatred as as a un, ungodly like i think it can be like i think it's like you're talking about natalie like if you if you if it stems from the wrong place or if you misplace it it can we've seen it destroy lots of stuff but I mean, in Psalm 139, that one, I know, I know, like, it ends with this weird part where it says, like, uh, David says, I hate your enemies with perfect hatred. Yeah. And I'm just like, and he, like, repeats, I hate, do not, do I not hate your enemies? I hate them with perfect hatred. And then that's what I'm yeah. like. But then. But if you think like, of, if you think of even pride, though, that comes from, that you could say that stems from self-worth, which is not a bad thing. Hmm and in that way did god give you your self-worth and then you yeah. twisted it in a way that created pride and entrapped you in your own hell but he's still there 
with you in that because he first created that in you yeah yeah it's that's kind of the the garden thing right because it's uh he has to give you your in giving you your own will he gives you your own freedom to choose yourself but then he almost wants you to choose yourself because that gives you your own identity like he's it kind of gets an idea with like the narcissistic god like he could have just made a bunch of robots that look like himself but he wanted to like love wants to love the other so mm-hmm. he has to let you uh yeah like almost choose your own identity or miss the mark i don't know it's strange it's a strange thing i haven't fully wrapped my mind around yet so i don't know but i think it's related to what you're asking is it or is it not mm-hmm. okay Hmm. I don't know can we bring it what you're what you're asking can we bring it into um very immediate family parallels somehow what do you to mean? get to get it more understandable whatever the question is you're asking um because it seemed to me like the question you're asking is like um I don't know uh uh um, I was saying like like family. maybe parent parent child parent child relationship to get at the question uh, more. Yeah. Um, I guess so. Um, okay, so like if I'm trying to imagine, I'm trying to think of something really simple. Um, if like, if your dad was like, hey, I got you this this um oh my gosh no this is really hard actually (laughs) having a really hard time coming up with something that's more permanent in my mind I was like okay what can your parent give you that could be used for good but then you could use it for bad and then they Mm. and then harm yourself in some way and then your parent has to sit with you with it so I was gonna go with a boomerang then (laughs) yeah go for it when I was six years old my younger brother was five and we were going to go hiking with my dad and we went to Target and he bought us these pocket knives because you need a pocket knife if you're going to be in the in wilderness. And we drove up to the trailhead and we got out of the car and my brother opened his knife and he put his thumb against it and he cut his thumb and we had to drive back and get stitches and we didn't get to go hiking. <laughs> yeah. That's a great example. And then your dad sat with him while he got st- stitches. He did. That is great. That is a great example. I'm just thinking how that, like, now I'm mapping that onto like the the story of entire humanity, and it's like, <laughs> it's like you have Adam, and it's like here's this pocket knife. Don't oh sh- <laughs> It it almost feels. I'm gonna take it on a really dark turn, but it almost feels like if your dad gave you a pocket knife and then you chose to self harm with it, and then he chose to walk with you through that that feels like kind of equivalent because then you're actively doing something purposefully to harm yourself because you just can't help it. Whereas like if you just slice your thumb open, I guess that was kind of an accident on your brother's part and you were probably resentful towards him for that. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like if someone gives you something <clears throat> like a, a tool and then you mistreat it, 
I guess to, to see God as someone who will walk with you through hell is to see a parent who's willing to walk with you through the hell that we know yeah. in our world. Yeah. What would you do? Here's a question. What would you do if you, if your dad, what would your dad do if, if he gave your brother the knife and your brother started to just repeatedly stab you? <laughs> like, would he walk with your brother through that? Like, would, would, does God walk with Cain? Uh, mm. does he does he continue to to try to get Cain back to the garden or does he just say nope kaputs you're out I don't think I think there are some things that are perhaps not we keep using the word walk throughable it's like there's yeah. something there's some things that are irreparably yeah like once once you cut your thumb we're not going hiking once you stab your brother the trip is over (laughs) yeah 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 because he does he does push him further out of the mountain but i don't know that he ever says you'll never make it back um in that state of stabbing your brother you sure won't be allowed back in the house i'm sure but i don't know but some parent but some parents do that like there are kids that like flip their lids and attack their siblings and they send them away but not with the idea that they're not coming home with the idea of like I'm gonna like work I mean I'm like now I'm like kind of in those kind of environments where for my job but like those parents are like I'm gonna work with my kid and I'm gonna get them in a better state of mind and in that they're walking through them walking with them through even that them being like Cain and attacking like their family or attacking someone else, you know, like they're like still willing because they can see that there's something on the other side, but it's not, it's almost like, I don't know, because part of me is like in that way, you're, you're walking, walking through it with them mentally, but you're not always physically represented there. And is that kind of maybe what God does with hell? It's like, he's walking through it with us but not physically there. And he's just like, I can see you on the other side, but I don't think so. I think he's probably physically there. I said that and I immediately regretted it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why, well, maybe Jason, that's why you said that you think he is in hell and heaven at the same time. Yeah. Because he's yeah. with you in both places. Yeah. What about, yeah. what about like, you live in a world with knives. So your parent, gives you access to the knife and then the freedom is yours now to do what you will with that knife and we're hoping or at least the parents hoping that you take on you know a certain sense of responsibility with that knife um because you recognize the gravity or the you have reverence for the capacity of the knife and then yeah i guess like i don't know how why how i'm gonna relate this to what you guys are talking about actually but um following that the shoot (laughs) it's getting too what happens with the knife but but like the (laughs) he has to i mean the the knives are there so like 
like the right thing to do is to just give the knife no matter what uh the mm. child does with the knife you know and and so like the responsible thing for a parent to do or, or like like you're gonna extend your kid's curfew as the kid gets older and the kid hopefully knows how to take that freedom into uh their their growing sense of responsibility and make wise decisions with that later curfew but it's like ultimately when they're an adult and they move out and they make their own home there is no curfew you know but that now they've developed that sense of responsibility what how am i what does this have anything to do with it <laughs> i'm tempted to say that what you're describing is analogous to the cinderella curfew yes and you're saying we live in a world of knives you know we live in a world of sharp objects and soft bodies we live in a world of glass slippers mm -hmm. and given that we live in a world of of knives you should be exposed to the knife intentionally not stumble upon it be given it say here it is use it yeah. wisely yeah mm. that's what i was trying to say you know <laughs> good job craig you're generous man tied it together What, you got something to say, Natalie? You got an expression on your face. No, I was just—I was just trying to imagine a way that we could tie this back to magic mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> so you could title your podcast "Magic Mirrors" because that's what we said we were going to talk about, and then <laughs> see if we can circle it back around. Uh, this magic mirrors. Hmm. And that's the reference to Fantasties. Right. You know, on a different occasion, I'm sure it's a large topic. On a different occasion, maybe it's interesting to talk about why the brittle thing, the fragile thing, always has an effect on your vision. There, it's reflective or transparent, or it has these kind of strange optical properties. Mm. But it's probably more than we're the, the brittle thing that that was brought up at the very beginning. Yes, but the the magical mirror. Right. All mirrors are magic mirrors. What do you, what do you mean? Like like looking through a glass, looking through a glass, or looking like in a reflection? Well, I guess it'd be the same. I guess you you're right. It would. Well, there's the, there's cosmos mirror, and there's this. What is it? The globe. There's all mm. these, there's all these perfect objects, but they all have optical properties. And they, it seems tied together in some way, but I don't wow. know. Wow. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. Yeah, they, it, immediately my mind jumps to, uh, and I don't know how I'm going to tie this in, but uh, it is scripture where it says, um, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I think my favorite yeah. psalm is, uh, oh, and he says the same thing it says um lord make me to know my end that i may see how frail i am mm -hmm. so i think maybe that's 
the brittleness of life, the fragility of life brings about this like increasing wisdom. Um, at least it does for mm. me. Cause I, that's the times when I seem like I get stuff done when I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to live to mm. next year. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get some, be a little bit productive, but that's probably, mm. that's, that's just me. Like, like I said, I, before I think like sometimes I get that seasonal thing where I fall comes around and I'm like, everything's dying. I'm going to die too. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. I left I had to move inside is, and I left all my books out there it is interesting like when you begin to like I don't want to say like pursue fragility or like those fragile states of or fragile seasons or whatever but they those are the seasons that you're saying might bring about if you recognize that those have been the most productive seasons of your life like it you realize you don't want this constant sense of security and and well-being and fortification because it's like then you never end up getting twisted up enough to actually make the changes you should or whatever mm. or we can take things for granted as well too just yeah yeah well in that way it feels like like breaking mm. mirrors it's like just gonna happen <clears throat> like just like your mirror is just gonna be broken and it's gonna change the perspective of it because when a mirror shatters it changes the image and ultimately when you look at the frame it doesn't save the mirror from being shattered it's like we live our life by rules it doesn't doesn't mean that the mirror is still not going to be shattered in some way and all that that does is really change your perspective. That could be totally off base. Wait, why is it why is it inevitable for it to be shattered? I'm just trying to track with that thought. Well, it was something that Luke just said, and now I kind of lost it. But <laughs> it was like, uh, I guess just like this idea that like life is. It, I don't know. It's like, I, it's, it's undeniable that like things are going to happen in your life and mm. it's gonna, it's gonna affect the image. Mm. Um, I don't know. And I don't even know that it necessarily shatters, but like, uh, and I feel like ultimately it's still your choice. Like, I feel like if you're mm. going to break your mirror or if you're going to crack your mirror, even like that's still your choice because if yeah. the mirror is your state of mind then like whatever happens during life you have the choice whether or not you're going to let that crack your mirror and change the image but regardless the frame doesn't the frame is is kind of stupid but like it's still <laughs> there and right. it's like it's holding right. the mirror in place and so we need it but also it doesn't protect the mirror in any way it's mm. a good point yes yeah it i'm gonna say something that's nonsense sure i don't know how quite to relate to the frame i think you're totally right uh, when you're in a when you're in a uh, let's say a house of mirrors 
let's say you're at the store and you're in the changing room and you had the mirrors all around you you can see things that you can't see in any other setting yeah, you can see the, the back of yourself you can see yourself from <laughs> from angles you can never it, like impossible so you're, you're kind of, like you're when you're in this place you're all seeing yeah or if you're in a glass house you're all seeing in a different way because you can see beyond the boundary in every direction mm-hmm. and but when you're in a setting like this it's like when things are going so right when things are so perfect and you, you know, everything is is clear there's infinite ways for things to go wrong do you mm. know what i mean like the, the fragility is kind of a function mm. of mm. wow there's something to that gonna have to chew on that for a while that's a really good good thought yeah is it because there's no frames because in a glass house you don't really have a frame to to contain it yeah like a threshold like it's almost like you're living in a in a bubble and the bubble's very fragile or something you know what i mean does that make sense what i'm getting at um i think it's it could be jason the the lack of frames but also just the increase of mirrors so your increase of visibility uh uh-huh yeah 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 like the more mirrors that there are, the more you can see, but also the more that you can see, the more delicate it becomes. Huh. Which is a pretty intuitive way to describe humility. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I never thought about that. Yeah, because when God, when you're when you have the frame. Like my mind with frames, I kept just kept thinking about like the the details of the frame. Like uh, you can you can carve whatever you want in it. Like it would be different mm. if I had a frame on the wall and had a mirror. If I had a bunch of gargoyles and like creepy things carved in the mirror, it'd be different than if it was like a golden frame or something like that. You could frame it however you want, and it changes your perception. But sorry, getting back to the humility thing is like if you're looking through a frame, it's almost like. Yeah, things are boxed in, so you have to remain humble for everything that's outside of your frame because you're like, I don't see whatever it is out there. But then even in the room of mirrors or the glass house, it's like you have to almost be more humble because you're like, this is, uh, mm. yeah, the, the fragility of it or something or the um, you realize how small you are. I don't know. Yeah, there's this humility. I, I get what you're trying to get at. But... So does this have anything, so humility, vanity, mirror? (laughs) (laughs) On the nose. (laughs) But I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's weird because like um, the mirror is a weird one. Like I was having a conversation with folks yesterday and it's like the mirror is not a place where like it's a place of like self-possession but at the same time like it also is like like it like or it informs I don't even know what I'm trying to get at but like I don't what if you don't always feel good when you look in the mirror or you don't even see yourself clearly 
because what it could be like a dysmorphia, uh, dysmorphia or whatever. Is that the right word? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so like, it can actually like, it can actually like, there's a weird way in which it can like both and in, in, it can make you self-possessed, but also like completely shattered like in your own understanding of yourself mm. I guess is like you like like you I don't even know kind of subjective yeah or like like I I guess I'm just trying to figure out like there's that weird thing where like the narcissist who constantly is looking in the mirror is looking in the mirror constantly not not because they're obsessed mm. with themselves because they don't know who they are. And mm. so there's this deep insecurity within them. And that's why they keep on looking in the mirror because they're trying to figure out who they even are. And mm. that's something bizarre there, because if you have a kind of dysmorphia and you're looking in the mirror, you're not seeing yourself. You're seeing your own vision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's this is backing up a step but like going back to like this uh idea of like endless mirrors <laughs> um i was thinking about like uh i think it, i don't know if it was jason someone was talking to me about the first mirror which is just like a body of water like if you see yourself in the river that's like the first reflection that man ever, like man had never seen himself until he looked in a river. Mm -hmm. And like <clears throat> rivers are still in a frame. They're still framed by like, you know, the, wow. the dirt, the rocks, whatever. Um, you get to the ocean, ocean's still in a frame. Um, but you feel like the the more the more like mirror substance which i guess would be water that you have the smaller you feel and like that same idea of like endless mirrors i guess is like humbling mm -hmm. or even like when you're in one of those stores and you have mirrors all over from every angle it's a humbling experience <laughs> like i i get what like if there's not like a frame then i guess you kind of uh I guess it it doesn't it's not necessarily chaos unless unless you're thinking of like the flood. I don't know what that means. Mm. I guess maybe that would be chaos because then are, there's what are the positives and the negatives of self-reflection? Reminds me of uh, Simba. I don't know why. I just always whenever we get into this, I always get that the part where he goes looks in the water. Yeah, he sees his father. He lives, yeah. he, li he lives in you. It reminds yeah. me of High School Musical, too. There's what a scene where, well, Troy, Troy also looks into a river when he's singing, and it's clearly CGI'd, <laughs> but it's a really good moment. Um, anyway. <laughs> Is that in bed on it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it. <laughs> what about, like, the spirit hovering over the face of the deep? Hmm. Oh, that's the face of the waters. Yeah. What's going on there? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. And he says, Reflection. "Let there be light." 
and you can't really have the reflection without the light and so the light begins to hit the water so mm. that's fine mm. this is interesting this is like i'm going to say something that doesn't make any sense good you like have, well we, we've talked about water and chaos and water has this kind of dual aspect where on one hand it's murky and it's chaotic but it's also um, life-giving because you can draw anything you can draw benefit out of it and it feels like the mirror is almost like you take you take the water and you cut its essence in half and you've captured the essence of it that is you've taken the murkiness away yeah it's nothing but yielding do you know what i mean it's only uh, mm. it's pure stillness is this kind of like the waters above and the waters below could you compare that like the because you said one's one's chaotic um bitter the ocean mm -hmm. is uh not drinkable it doesn't really give life and then the heavenly waters above mm. the rainwater is um is that what you mean when you say yielding like it evaporates it uh yielding as in it's only uh, you've you've taken its negative aspect away ah, mm -hmm. yeah 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 which is kind of what happens when water evaporates right from the ocean but, i mean i don't know i'm not a scientist yeah well what's interesting too is like when you referenced like light, because I don't think like the chaos of water loses its meaning when you don't have light, but I think mirrors do. Like if you can't see in a mirror, touching it's right. not gonna do anything to you. It's not gonna help mm -hmm. you in any way. But like if it doesn't, if you still have the chaos of water, mm -hmm. viewing that as still like a form of reflection, then like, light doesn't matter i don't know if there's anything that special about that i was just throwing that idea no it's good <laughs> it's a really good well point. so like luke asked what are the pros and cons of self-reflection uh and we already he you already touched on dysmorphia right and and it seems because i i feel like i haven't been saying much this entire conversation because we've had so many topics i've been trying to tie it all together <laughs> i've like <laughs> been trying to absorb a lot and I have I haven't really known where my mind's at uh but but it seems that a pro of self-reflection could only happen when you when the mirror is correct and unbroken and it is well lit yeah that's the only time that self-reflection could that's when you would get an objective Huh. measurement back right because the issue is self-reflection is subjective and i was thinking well how can you avoid having your own projections or your own visions projected onto the self-reflection as to what comes out of the mirror mm -hmm. um but i think the criteria of having it be well lit and having the proper mirror mm -hmm. fix that issue does that make sense yeah Yes. I mean, this is maybe a, it feels really similar to these laws of fairyland where you have mm -hmm. all the laws are very conditional. You can only pull the sword from the stone if you, you know, if you're with if it, maybe, maybe this is a silly thing to say, but it, it, it feels like a, a mere, 
a mirror under the right conditions is totally different than a mirror under the wrong conditions. Right. That's where my head was at too. Yeah. And is it the mirror's fault or is it the observer? Does it matter like the health of the observer? I don't know. I don't know. There, there was a mirror at my old workplace that made me look really tall. And I was always really confused when I would look in it. And so sometimes I think it's a mirror. I don't know. Funhouse fun mirrors. Yeah, even though yeah, it's designed I mean, to confuse you. But then Natalie, I would say that it's your fault for for like like you knew that mirror was malfunctioning right you knew that wasn't the case and so it was your fault for looking into that mirror over and over and over again (laughs) why do i I keep thinking of instagram and selfies yeah i mean that makes no go ahead go ahead oh but i mean like instagram makes sense you're like putting out a reflection of yourself but it's almost like a, it is like a magic mirror. You're only projecting the things that you want others to see. You're only projecting like your best images. Mm-hmm. Um, and the filters you can put on it, like a, you could do a rose colored filter if you're feeling the mood. Well, there's, there's also beauty filters. There, there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's memories and there's, you know, I don't know how this ties in. Maybe you guys can tie it in better for me. This is just where my mind went when you're talking about being the thing being well lit. Um, uh, Cause I wrote this thing a while back, but it was, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. Um, but it basically was saying, uh, we don't care. And maybe this is just my personal opinion, but we don't really care about the moon um, when all her imperfections, when she's reflecting the fullness, mm-hmm. like I, we look at the full moon and you see all these blemishes and spots and she's reflecting the light of the sun, but we don't really care, or at least I don't. I'm still yeah. like it, it almost entranced by it and fascinated by it. Um, so mm-hmm. like it, with the beauty filters on Instagram, it's like there's this, there's this uh, atonement, right? A covering up, uh, that's kind of what atonement is, is a covering. Um, and you're covering up the blemishes but then i'm like with the moon i mean i don't know where i'm going with this thought that's just where my mind went the moon like i don't i don't even mm. see them even though they're there or i almost appreciate them for what they are i don't know mm. i don't know what i'm getting at with that just, just random thought just it's kind of an interesting it's an interesting thought though because like then like you're kind of like the sun and all mirrors are the moon because you can't ever look at yourself and you're never supposed to look at the sun unless you're in India because there's so much smog. But other than that, like you can't look at the sun ever and you can never look at yourself. So like you're the sun. That has literally nothing to do with what you're saying, but it was just a mm. stupid thought. That is interesting. I never thought of it that <laughs> way before because I always thought of uh, God as being the sun and you can't, you can't look at directly at god without looking at his creation kind of thing his reflection um that's kind of but i'd never thought about your own self thyself being the sun that is interesting sorry go ahead well that this is interesting because the moon when the moon is you're making a really great point when the moon is perfectly reflective it's also perfectly illuminated because it's it's veiled right if it's not full it's veiled and it's, it's similar to, Natalie, you're describing the water. Let's say you're looking at a puddle. You know, you were looking at a body of water that's perfectly still. 
if it wasn't perfectly still, you couldn't see the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so when it's perfectly still, you can both see through it perfectly, but also see off of it perfectly. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's an, they both have the moon, the full moon and the still water have this thing in common where you're, you're seeing through them mm -hmm. and you're, they're perfectly reflective and also perfectly transparent. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. It's one of those things like you just drop it and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to tune on that. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, like, I it's, agree. It's, I'm going to have to tune on that for a while. That's really good. I feel like this is definitely one of those ones where you rewatch and you're like, <laughs> yeah. And then I like I hear everybody else. That usually happens with me. I hear hear everyone else talk, and I'm like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Then I hear my own voice. And I'm like, God, you moron! <laughs> like, how did you derail this great conversation? I know, but then you <laughs> always send it to me, and you're like, I did terrible, and I'm like, you did fine. <laughs> Literally, you stayed on topic the whole time. <laughs> Sorry, I dropped off for a second. I. <laughs> Mm. Mm. i feel bad because i feel like i talked a lot in this podcast sorry about it you should be ashamed no that no, was I'm good Natalie. i feel like i didn't talk enough i really i was trying either. to track you didn't i never ashamed. really i never really got over the entire first paragraph that <laughs> i was like trying to tie that in with everything i know that's when i got quiet too because i was like how does this all come together i know i know yeah, mirrors, slippers. I mean, mirrors are something that you don't want to break. I don't know. I don't know. Bad luck, right? I think so. Seven years. Yeah. Yeah, we touched on a lot, but I feel like it kind of all ties in because even it all kind of does. Getting back, well, no, we, we didn't touch on two-way mirrors. How we feel about oh, those? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird. <laughs> but I feel like. It might even tie into the, uh, especially when we got, when we met, were mentioned talking about even Christ earlier and trying him being the way and being something we're reflective of. And now that even gets into everything we're talking about now with the moon and the still waters and all that. So there, there. It's all tied together. That was yeah. good. Magic mirrors. Oh my gosh. Is it? Say no. it. No, say it well, say it leave us leave us with well, another the, the, one the, well <laughs> the two-way mirror i was saying something earlier that didn't make it remember when i was saying about the water be, having its essence cut in half yeah oh yeah well the two-way mirror seems like the the still the still water or the moon being cut in half because yeah. it's both i mean it, those things are both perfectly transparent and perfectly reflective, reflective but the uh, the two sides of the of the two-way mirror is is like that, where it's one only has one property and one only has the other mm. property. Yeah, I don't know if there's. I'm I'm just saying nonsense. No, that's true. It feels like that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Now I'm gonna have to chew on two-way mirrors a lot too. Did you guys see that um, movie? Another Cinderella story, not a Cinderella story. Another <laughs> Cinderella story. There's a whole dance. I, I missed that one. <laughs> the two-way mirror, and I think we should all watch it after this. We should like, another. I think we should. Yeah, it's got Selena Gomez in it, so. No, well, I hey. know what I'm doing tonight. 
same <laughs> Book, bookmark to anybody who talks to uh to cal rivet i he's really interested in chris langan who talks about he has this model of everything that is split into two semi models I, i'd be curious to hear what cal would say about the the two-way mirror and if it relates to semi models mm. maybe that's a bad question no it's a good one uh, i'll uh I can, I can probably give you his number or something too if you want to text him. He'll probably, he'll, he might watch this though and leave a comment. Although, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll tag him. We'll just put a timestamp. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell him, I'll tell him you mentioned him and uh, I, I won't tell him when. So I'll have to watch the entire thing. The whole thing. <laughs> just like, how long? Is it? I mean, it's got to be like at least two hours, probably three at this point. I think it's about three. Tag him hours. and Mitch. And you're Mitch. bashing Mitch left and right. Just kidding. Yeah, I will. Say, Mitch, <laughs> I, I told Mitch. I told Mitch I'd try to name drop him in every video. I don't know if I've been doing it though, but yeah, yeah. I wasn't bashing him. I said it was good what he had to say. Yeah, about rest good. not being being stasis, but no. And I'm I'm really glad that you brought that up too because I think that that was a whole different insight than us as a collective had, and I I yeah. think that really added. So mm -hmm. that was good. Thank you, Mitch. If that, if that yeah, jerk thanks, wouldn't Mitch. have skipped tonight, he should have showed up. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, oh, this was really fun. This was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks also, for joining, Luke. Luke, I'd never, I'd never met or talked to you before. I feel like yeah, I'm neither really, have really I. Yeah, me either. Points, <laughs> I feel like I, I was great to see. All, I feel like I didn't. I came in and I didn't like introduce That's myself. Yeah, hey, you anybody. jumped right in. I was just like, I didn't um, know that you didn't know I, anybody else. I didn't either. Oh, I really did. <laughs> yeah. We were trying when when you came in. You came in right after we were trying to find a John skateboarding video, which Luke also skateboards, but probably a little better than John. <laughs> this is not no, a bit different. of John skateboarding. I can't it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've got my my YouTube okay. channel is just all old skate videos of me. What I was. Oh, doing. that's cool. Yes. I love it. Go through that if you want. I've got one that. Is Napoleon Dynamite tray flip trick tip? It's pretty good. Oh, That's amazing. I'll send it. Where to Where do you live, Luke? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, I thought so. It was brighter there a lot later than okay. here. Wait, is everybody in? Because I know uh, Jason, you're in Tennessee. I don't know where anybody else is. Um, I'm also in Tennessee. Okay. I'm like South Carolina. South Carolina, Texas, Texas. Gotcha. No. Cool. Cool. It was nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, that was nice to meet you. I really, I really thought everyone knew you except for me, so I was going to introduce myself at the end. <laughs> well, <it's good> <laughs> That's so goofy. I love it. Yeah. Adam, Mitch, Natalie, Jason. Uh, did I say all your names correct? Wait. Oh, I'm John. Mitch isn't here. You just talk about Adam so much. Does it, does it not? Uh, I think over on the First right. First man? You click on participants on the Zoom thing, and then it should have all our names in case you see so that embarrass yourself next time. <laughs> That was, that was like really off. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you name more people than are actually. Here. Well, Luke, Luke, I'm, 
Yeah, there's like seven people on that list. I'm Craig and John is here. I want to know who's Adam and, and who's... <laughs> Craig, I don't want to be Mitch. We've got... John, I, was, I, I called John Adam. I almost, I almost can't believe you did that because it was like comically like, yeah, we're, the gang's are here. We've got, we've got Thomas, Jackie, Jackie and Judy. I thought he was joking. Somehow played into it. Man, the intuition is sometimes on fire. funny. <laughs> okay, well, I should be going. I'll, I'll see you guys later. All right. See, I'm gonna go to it. Thanks, guys. Send us your skateboarding video. We need your skateboarding video. I'll try to find it for the next time. We'll have to do at least one more chat before Jason don't, leaves. Don't try, John. Succeed. Yeah. Seriously. No, I will. I will have it for next time. Okay. <laughs> Good night, you guys. Good night. Adam. Good night, Mitch. Good night, Adam. <laughs> Good night.